Well, let's thank the Lord for each other. You hear that song, Awake, Awake, He is Risen. You know, um, surely He has borne our sins and our sorrows. We saw Him smitten of God and afflicted. But there's weeping in the evening, and joy comes in the morning. And this is a joyous morning. This is, this is New Year's Day for Christians. This is New Year's Day for Christians. This morning, over 100 members of our congregation went to a sunrise service on the Great Wall. Why did they do that? Why would you get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and go to a 5,000-year-old dead wall? Why would you do that? Well, because there was anticipation. There were expectations. Expectations that when that sun came up, it would herald once again the reminder that he has risen. He has risen. He has risen for you. He has risen for me. And, and what are the expectations of what does that mean for you and me that he has risen? Well, one expectation is all of our sins are forgiven. God made him who knew no, knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. All of our sins, all of our sins washed away. And though your sins be as crimson, they should be washed white as snow. But I've got some other good news. Not only are your sins forgiven, our sins are forgotten. Now, you know what? You sin against me. I can forgive you, but I won't forget. And I'll try to forget, but I can't forget. But the scripture says, I will remember your sins no more. God not only forgives sins, but he forgets them. So you start having a prayer time. And you start calling those sins that, you know, you did when you were 15, 16 years old and say, Father, please forgive me. He said, what are you talking about? I forgot them. They're past. We bring them to the cross. They're forgiven. They're forgotten. That's good news. Every day, a fresh, fresh slate. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then that's the next good thing we can expect. And he will cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. He doesn't say confess your sins and then get your act together. He says just in the in the the process of confessing our sins. He then through the power of his Holy Spirit cleanses us from that which is not right in us. Confession leads to cleansing, not our cleansing ourselves. We cannot fix ourselves. But as we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and to Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from all that's not right in us. What else can we expect? Well, we can expect that as many as have been baptized into Christ have united with him in his death. And if we've been united with him in his death, we're also united with him in his resurrection that we should walk in newness of life. And because we have been united with him in his death, we are now freed from the dominion of sin. Romans 6, 6 Our old man was crucified in Christ. That sin would no longer have dominion over you. You know, brothers and sisters, we exist in time. But Jesus is an eternal being. And the moment you became one with Christ, the moment I became one with Christ, 
We were in him in eternity past and eternity future. You were actually in him when he was on the cross and your uncreated flesh was being crucified in him at that very second. And because we've been united with him in his death, we're also united with him in his resurrection that we should walk in this newness of life. He's taken away our heart of stone. He's given us a heart of flesh. He's written his law upon our heart. And now our desire is to do his will. The scripture says his commandments are no longer grievous to us. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and they are not grievous. They are actually according to this newly created nature he has put in us. Okay. That's a lot. Are there some more expectations? Yes. More expectations. We have a family now. We, brothers and sisters in Christ are closer than physical relatives who do not know Jesus. We are one body. We are one body. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We, we, we've got the same outer suit, but we have a new inner life. And actually, I could go on for, for many, many hours talking about the new benefits we have in Christ. But these are some of the expectations we have. And we have the expectation of having Jesus live in us. Remember the greatest command in Scripture? Abide in me, which is to love me with all your heart, your soul, your mind and strength. And followed by the greatest promise in Scripture, I will abide in you. I will abide in you. Jesus also has expectations of us. Does he? What are his expectations? Well, someone has said he gave himself for us so he could give himself to us so he could live his life through us. Did you get that? He gave himself on this cross to purchase each of us. And now he comes and gives himself to us that he might live his life through us. Is Jesus living his life through you this day? Did Jesus live his life through you last year? This is the first day of a new year in the church. This is the day that we can start with a fresh slate and become what Christians are supposed to be. Christianity is not about theologic. It's not about theologic. It's about a person. And the person is Christ and our response to him. And he says to us, come to me. He doesn't say come to church. He doesn't say come to a, a bunch of laws and rules. He doesn't say come to a particular value system. He says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. And I will come to you. I gave myself for you so I could give myself to you so I might live my life through you. Jesus wants to come into each of us. The Apostle Paul says, for me to live, does he say ministry? Does he say it's my family? Does he say it's my friends, it's my business? No, Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is more Christ. We've got this Christianity kind of very complicated. <laughs> very complicated. It's not supposed to be complicated. It's about a person. The person is Jesus. He says, come to me. Come to me. And I will come to the world through you. Jesus says, I am the true vine that brings father's life into the world. Each of you are a part of me. You're one of my branches. Abide in me. That's come to me. And I will 
abide in you. I will live in you. Apart from me, you can't do anything that's going to last. Depart from me, and you will wither just like a plant that has no water. And that's what a lot of us do during the year. We just kind of wither. (laughs) And they get a little more water and wither again. But he says, if you abide in me, I will abide in you, and my life will flow through you. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are thirsty, and I will give you drink. In you, there will be like a spring welling up into rivers of water. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit. Come to me, all you who are thirsty, and I will give you drink. And that will well up like a fountain in you. And it's the Holy Spirit. Wells of water, rivers of water, pouring out into the world through you and through me. You know, a lot of us think Christianity is, 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 is just trying to be like Jesus. And then we ask, it, we ask him to help, him, uh, help us be like Jesus, help us be nice, help us to be patient, help us to be kind. Help me to be gentle. This is Jesus, my helper. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus said of himself, apart from my father, I can do nothing. The only difference between Jesus and us is he never tried to do anything apart from father. Christianity is not about trying to imitate Jesus or doing what Jesus would do. Christianity is about being, as a man or woman, exactly what Jesus was as a man or woman. As a man, Jesus lived this life of dependence upon his Father, and the life of the Father flew through the sun, flowed through the Son. And that's what Christianity is for us, is you and I don't ask him to help us, but ask him to live his life through us. Then as the Father lived his life through the Son, the Son will live his life through, the Father, through us. His third to the last prayer was, Father, I have declared unto them your name and will declare it that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I may be in them. Father, as you are in me and I am in you, that they may be one in us. Now he says, I in them, you in me. Christ is in you. The Father's in Christ. We're all one in the Holy Spirit. Have you experienced that? Okay, how do, you get, how, how do we do that? It's very simple. Paul teaches us that as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, and how did we receive him as Lord? It was the hand of a beggar reaching out to a king. We brought nothing to the table. We had nothing to recommend ourselves. We were just nothing. A hand of a beggar reaching out to a king. As you receive Christ as Lord... So continue to walk in him. Live the rest of your life in that same dependence, bringing nothing to the table but need. I can't be a good husband. I can't be a good father. I can't be a good employer. I can't be a good employee. I can't be a good teacher. I can't be a good diplomat. I can't, I can't, I can't. Jesus said we can't. See, we try to be good at all those things and ask him to help us be good in all those things. That's the wrong formula. That's not the winning solution. Jesus wants to be the best husband, the best father, the best diplomat, the best teacher, the best educator. 
He is all those things. And we have a new year. But we can start this. We can start practicing this. We don't get up in the morning and say, Jesus, help me be that wife that my husband needs. We don't get up and say, Jesus, help me be that kind employer. or Jesus, help me be that patient person. We get up and say, Jesus, I'm impatient. I'm unkind. I'm unfaithful. I'm selfish. I'm irritable. I don't have any joy. <laughs> and Jesus says to us, I never said you would. But he has all those things. So wake up and say, Jesus, I don't have that. I can't do that. I'm, I'm not that. But would you be that in me? Jesus, would you be the perfect son or daughter through me and bring yourself pleasure all day long? Jesus, would you have perfect faith in me, in you? Would you fill me with your faith? Would you fill me with your love for yourself? Would you fill me with your patience, your kindness, with your goodness, with your meekness? Would you fill me with your humility, your self-control? Do you think Jesus is going to say, I can't believe you asked that? I can't believe you asked that. He's going to be saying, he's going to say, why haven't you asked me before? He waits patiently to show himself strong, to live his life through us. It says the eyes of the Lord search to and fro to all the ends of the earth to prove himself strong to one heart that's yielded to him. He paid a fortune for each of us. Man, what if your wife said, uh, you know, I really want that uh, new um, four-door Mercedes, you know, the extra stretch. You work and work and work and work and you go buy it for her. And you go out on a business trip and you come back and you don't see the car in the driveway. You say, honey, where's the car? And she says, oh, I pulled it around the backyard. And then you go into the backyard and you see this lovely Mercedes you bought for her filled with dirt right up to the windows. And she's planted geraniums, all these lovely rose bushes, all these lovely flowers in this car. Now, that was just her idea of things. This car makes a very great planter, doesn't it? You can turn on a little heat. You can turn on a little air. You can probably even water the plants with the, with the windshield wipers. And you can play some music when you're gardening. It's a fantastic planter. But this was not what it was designed for by the manufacturer. You know what? There's a thousand uses for a garden hose. I've shared this before. A thousand uses for a water hose, for those who are translating you can take a garden hose and put it between two posts, and you can hang clothes on it. You can take a garden hose and tie one end to a tractor and the other to a cart, and you can pull the cart with it. You can take a garden hose and cut it into little pieces and make little braces like I have on that says Jesus loves you or anything else you want to put on it. There are a thousand uses for a garden hose, but only one intended by the manufacturer and that is you take that hose and you put it in a, a whatever you call it, 
socket, what do you call it? Spigot, snozzle, nozzle, snozzle, spigot. You screw it into that. You turn the water on and the water goes through. That is what it was intended for. And you know what? Lucifer is not so, he doesn't get excited or he doesn't get upset if you and I go uh, tell somebody about Jesus. He doesn't get upset if you write a book about Jesus. He doesn't get upset if you write a song about Jesus. He doesn't even get upset if you plant a church in the name of Jesus or if you go dig a well for Jesus. But what scares him is that you might, for one or two moments a day, abide in Jesus. And Jesus would abide in you. And all of a sudden, the moment you and I abide in Jesus, the light of the world... The author of creation breaks into the world through us and shines his light on Lucifer's very dark and fallen world. That's what Christians were recreated to do. We're not recreated. You know what? If you're if you're a hose and you have clothes hung on you, you are not a happy camper. If you're a hose being stretched between a tractor and a, a wagon, you're not happy. If you're a hose being cut in a bunch of pieces, you're not happy. You're only fulfilled when you are abiding and that life, that water of life is flowing through you. And brothers and sisters, each one of us have been recreated in this new year to be that conduit of the life of Jesus into the world we live in. First of all, in our immediate families, then in this body, then our place of work or imprisonment. Wherever God chooses, whatever circumstance he chooses to put us in, he chooses a circumstance where he wants to display himself in us. He doesn't want you to try to be a good Christian. He wants you to abide in him. (laughs) He is a good Christian. He's got it all together. He's got joy. He's got joy. He's got peace when there's no reason to have peace. He's got joy when there's no reason to have joy. He has patience when somebody is just totally out of it. He has love. He has life. He has everything. And he's given it to us for free. He just says, would you please stop running around trying to be a Christian and come to me? That's his command. Come to me. Come to me. With need. Just ask me to reproduce my life in you. Listen, brothers and sisters, this is very counterintuitive. This is so simple. It's almost impossible to comprehend. Easily forgotten and very difficult to apply. But it takes no energy to abide. It just takes intentionality. And the intention is, I can't. You always said you could. Would you please live your life through me? And brothers and sisters, I'm talking about an unbelievable burden taken away. You don't have to be good because Christ can be great in each of us if we will just come to him and say, Lord Jesus, would you please live your life for me? I'm going to pray for us real quick, uh, a prayer that probably Paul would have prayed. Paul says, he talks about that I might apprehend, that I might become all that for which I was captured of by Christ. That I might know him, that's like Adam knew Eve, that I might be intimately related with him and the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his suffering, the fellowship of his experience, being conformed to his death, death to every source of life and encouragement other than you. Let me pray a prayer for us. 
Father, we uh, do ask, Lord Jesus, uh, first of all, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you gave yourself for us, that you would give yourself to us, that you might live your life through us. And Lord Jesus, we, uh, we confess that we have uh, been like that Cadillac too many days, not availing ourselves for the purpose for which we were created, uh, to be your vessels through which you can flow your life. You purchased us at such a price. Forgive us for not letting you have that which you own, that which you have purchased, that which is yours. Father, we are yours. We give ourselves to you. And we do ask that we may know him, Father, in the power of his resurrection, all power, power to say no to ourselves and yes to you. And the fellowship of his experience, um, abiding in him before every man and circumstance that we might find ourselves in. And that we would be conformed to his death, death to every source of life and security, soulless, save you and you alone. Father, that we may know him and the power of his resurrection, that our every thought may be of you, our every longing may be for you, that your will may be our heart's desire, that our every word would be your praise and work would be to your glory, that we would desire you and your will above all else. We would obey your voice and abide in your word. We would say no to ourselves daily and abide in your will and your embrace of us. We would trust and love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our mind. We would abide in your love and that your love and your joy and your peace and your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your self-control, your very life would flow through us in such a way that men may know that you sent him and loved us as you've loved him. So, Father, since you said we can't do anything, (laughs) would you just love yourself through us and trust yourself through us? Would you just think your thoughts through us? Would you just speak your words through us? Would you just... Live your life through us. And Father, thank you for the resurrected life of Jesus. Thank you that it dwells in us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing Christ's life into us. We pray that you would flow through us without reservation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.